0: You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of Heart and Soul. We are joined here with Becky Graves, the founder and owner and amazing mom of Haiti Awake. And we'll get into what she does with Haiti Wake in a little bit. But for now, we're gonna go through our happies and crappies. Sounds good. Everyone's in person today, no Zoom. So it's in person. Feels really good. Long, feels really good. Um long time. Okay, so anybody got any happies and crappies for us? For them.
1: Bear. Um Bear's, Bear's <laughs> licking Becky right now. He's like <laughs> in on this right now. Um do you want to start? Do you want me to? Start? Yeah, I think
0: I I think I can start. Okay. My happy, and this is a, a, a extension of last week, but is Patrick's in town, he's in our living room right now, and that's awesome. We, sorry, I'm like adjusting the volume. This is like.
1: It's,
0: it looks good to me. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Patrick's in town. That's my happy. My crappy is I've been having a lot of stomach issues lately, so. That sucks. It just hurts. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach hurts. Like, that's my crappy. It yeah. Could, um, so, that's yeah. It's never fun, though. It's never fun. I think a lot of it is due to the fact that I ate, like, a whole block of cheese this weekend because <laughs> Patrick made a charcuterie board, um, and it's, like, still in this part of <laughs> oh, my I stomach. I saw your
1: Instagram. Yeah, it was
0: the most incredible
1: charcuterie board like homemade charcuterie. I've ever experienced, but... Yes. It got me. It got me good. And <laughs> I two could days eat later. Charcuterie boards for meals like every day. That's um, what
0: well, so we did for dinner on, yeah. on
1: Sunday night. That's and then favorite. yesterday we had it. we had leftovers as a snack. So <laughs> never gets old. Still sticking with me. I know it's like a new trendy thing, but I feel like I've always loved to eat like that. Just just cheese and crackers. Cheese, crackers, meats, fruits, nuts, nuts, chocolate. Chocolate. I mean can't it. chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> <Her> first word. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those are mine. You got any? Um, yeah, so my happy is we went to Raleigh this weekend, um, for my, like, other baby shower with family and friends in, the, in that area, and it was really, really fun. You look we got so it. beautiful. That Thank dress, you. Thanks. Um, it actually wasn't a maternity dress. I got that for a wedding, and it still fits, so... Like it's a maxi a that like flows out yeah. so you can still rock yeah. it. That's good. I actually bought that for the cruise that we were supposed to go on and then yeah. we got pregnant and couldn't go on the cruise anymore. So And then quarantined and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, it served its purpose. But yeah, it was so much fun. We were showered with so many gifts and I'm very overwhelmed, like unpacking, doing laundry, organizing all that stuff. Um but it was Isn't it
0: crazy how much you get out of a shower? Oh my gosh. Uh huh
1: so much stuff it's insane and stuff is still being like delivered yeah oh, so that's awesome. we're very grateful for all of it but i'm like holy moly what am i going to do with this <laughs> i have to find a uh, organizational like technique for all of it yeah um and i got to see a lot of people that i haven't seen since like our wedding so that was really nice um and my crappy i've been just like really tired i wonder why um, physically because I did like 10 shoots in a week and um, when you're 33 weeks pregnant it just like takes a different toll on you so um that and like I had a night we were in Raleigh and my heartburn got so bad that it actually made me puke like it was that your first puke of pregnancy because
0: you didn't um, actually yeah puke. yeah you just got nauseous
1: yeah luckily I mean Look, I'm not complaining, because I know some people puke, like, mm-hmm. the whole nine months and all through first trimester, so I'm really lucky that first trimester, I was just nauseous all the time, but I never actually puked. Um, sorry if anyone's, like, eating while they're, <laughs> <laughs> while they're listening to this, um, but, you know, real talk. But I've had, like, moments where heartburn kind of, like, like you, it almost is, like, a little bit in your mouth, mm-hmm. but it's never, like, fully gotten to that point. I was totally fine. My parents let us sleep in their room, um, which sweet. was really nice, and they have one of those beds that, like, you can move, like, the feet up or the head up, and, like... That's whole, perfect yeah. for you right now. So I moved the head up, and I was, like, watching Netflix, and I was totally fine, started falling asleep, so I roll over to my side, shut my laptop, I'm ready to go to sleep, and then all of a sudden, oh. I was just like, oh, no, it's coming, <laughs> coming, and it's just, like, this insane burn. Mm. And I ran to the bathroom and it sure enough, it happened. So Cute. So, so now I'm just like extra cautious at night because it came so suddenly that I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't want that to
0: I saw your Instagram story last night where you're like, This yeah. is my sleep now and you were like Yeah <laughs> sitting straight up. <laughs> I just
1: like li- I fall asleep like that and then eventually I can roll over and I'm okay. But yeah, that's just part of the last month or so of this. So crazy, it's almost here. Mm-hmm. I know, and I'm really, I'm trying not to, com- I don't like to, like, complain too much about pregnancy, because physically it's been really, really easy for me so far. I'm like, all right, if heartburn is the worst of it, I'm fine, I'm so I fine. can deal with that for the next few weeks, but we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. All
2: right, Becky, you got any happy and crappies? So, happy, I got to see some people this weekend, uh, family and friends, I have not seen, since, like, January, February, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it kind of snuck up on us. You Maybe Mm you hadn't seen someone in a couple of weeks or a month, and we were traveling, as I told you, Catherine, and then quarantine, and so I kind of realized how much I miss people, by seeing people this weekend, so that was really good, particularly my one of my sons, I got to see him, and I hadn't seen him since January.
0: You hadn't seen him since January? No,
2: I hadn't seen He's in the military, and the sense. military has been very, um, been really strict, yes, very yeah. strict on like their movements and so forth. So I was excited to see him. Huh? And then my crappy, which you said we already talked about. I was driving down uh, Wooster at 3rd Street, and I was turning left onto 3rd this morning, and I heard this pop and I thought, what in the world, and realized almost instantly it was my tire, and so I kind of limped my way into the Burger King parking lot, and um, yeah, my car is now at Firestone getting a new tire, so that kind of changed my plans for today. I was going to um, have a picnic lunch with a friend that I haven't seen since forever, (laughs) and I had to call her and say, sorry, not today.
0: Um, Oh, I I hate that when you have an idea for the day, and then
2: car troubles
1: are just like, the worst Cause the other it, worst because they're, they're always just, unexpected yeah and it just like ruins your whole day because it's such a process it's not just like oh let me go to the store and fix this real quick it's like a whole ordeal yeah so but thankfully
2: my husband was able to come and it was kind of funny we pumped the tire up but the hole was so big was this it,
0: like at 8 a.m
2: this was at 10 30 okay
0: because I saw him like coming um, out so she's yeah. our neighbor too
2: yeah. So did you? Okay. I figured you walked over here because I didn't see a car. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So he pumped the tire up, but knew it wasn't going to hold because he put a plug in it, but it was already leaking. And he followed me um, over to Firestone, and we—he was literally pumping my tire up at stoplights, <laughs> so, like watching the stoplight, and then we would get in the car and like go as fast as we could. Oh, that's an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. But we made it. So that was excitement for the day. So maybe it wasn't crappy. Maybe it was actually happy because it was an adventure. Yeah,
0: find the perspective. I like that.
2: I like that. (laughs) Um, We're going to get right into
0: who Becky is here. And I know that you're going to find her story really interesting and the impact that she's making not only on Wilmington, but to our literal world. Um, Becky is the founder. Is that what you would say is your title? Yes. Founder of Haiti Awake, which is a missions organization Um, in Haiti that I've been to, what, four, three times
2: now? I think it was three Three times. times.
0: Yeah. I've been three times. Um, she runs a children's home there and they have 13 children. 12. 12 now. Okay. (laughs) 13. When I was there. 12 now. (laughs) Um, 12 children that she like really provides for, um, through Haitians, which is really cool. She uses, she is on a mission and correct me if I'm wrong, to empower Haitians to make Haiti, yes. the best that it can be, Right, um, and so we just want to kind of expand into that, and also how you got involved in that, um, because it's so near and dear to my heart, and I know that once our listeners hear your story and what you've done over there, they will be intrigued and want to figure out how they can be involved in this, so tell us about who you are and what you do, and then we'll get into the meat.
2: All right, so yes, I'm Becky Graves and my official title is um, Executive Director of Haiti Awake. Um, I have been working with Haiti Awake since the fall of 2014 when we um, started Haiti Awake. I started Haiti Awake with a Haitian man by the name of Steve Durar and we had worked together at another organization in Haiti. And as we had gotten to know each other and become friends and talked about our heart for ministry, our philosophy of ministry, we realized that we were very much in sync in what we were thinking and what we were envisioning. And so, um, yeah, in October of 2014, we launched out on our own, and we have just been amazed um, in the five and a half years since then at what God's done and the opportunities and the wonderful people that we know, like you, Catherine. I I don't know that I would know you apart from Haiti. Right,
0: like, right. Okay, I want you to go backwards to that Steve story because it's one of my favorite stories, how you were, like, in Haiti and met him and how it all kind of connected. Like, if you can go into a little more detail about that.
2: All right, well, let's even back up before Haiti because I think this was important, especially, like, for your listeners. So um, the person I am today is not the person I was 10 years ago. So um, when I turned 40 almost 10 years ago. Oh. Um, I I think for most women, it's kind of a defining moment. Like, who am I? What am I going to be? My kids were growing up. I was doing that like life transition. And um, I actually decided to start running when I was 40.
0: I didn't know that's when you started. Yeah.
2: So um, I was my birthday that year. I had a birthday party and I was talking to um, a younger friend who was in her 20s. And I said, you know, I've wish I had like run a 5k. And she's like, I'll run with you. We can, we can do this. So roughly two months later, I ran my first 5k and then I signed up for my first 10k. And then I signed up for my first half. And a few months later, I signed up for my first full marathon. And that process, um, I think really prepared me for Haiti because I found out who I was in training yeah, um, I a lot of
0: time alone.
2: Yes, and just <laughs> that whole like digging deep, and I can do hard things, and I am capable. And I think sometimes when you're in the stage of life you're both entering, where you're you're young, you're married, you're a mom, it just you kind of lose yourself and you forget these things. So for me, I was kind of rediscovering.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it was um, two months after running that first marathon that we took a trip to Haiti as a family for a missions trip and really didn't expect anything. I thought it was a trip, a one-week trip,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: but that one week became something very significant, and I knew by the end of that first week, I would definitely go back. I did go back um, a few months later with the same organization, and um, Steve and I started to get to know each other. But we're also... Wasn't he a translator for the... He was. Okay, yes. So, but we have to back up. It's, we don't even think about these things now, but if you go back to 2012, 2013, um, the only way of communication I had with Haiti when I wasn't there was Facebook Messenger. That was it. Mm -hmm. Um, A phone call was expensive. Um, There was no, um, there were no voice options on the app. Or any, there weren't apps like we have now, yeah. where you could make a mm-hmm. phone call, and so, and there was no way to mail a letter, <laughs> so we, communication was very sparse. But in um, January of 2014, AT and T had this amazing deal on their um, on our cell phone service that for five dollars a month, they had a whole list of countries you could call them for one penny a minute. So $5 a month, 1 penny a minute, I'm in because yeah. Katie was on the list. So got into the habit of kind of calling Steve and we would talk and those conversations started leading to things like what are like me asking him what are your dreams and what do you where do you see yourself in a few years? He had just gotten married. His wife was pregnant with their first baby and at one point I asked him why aren't you a pastor? Because it's just, I mean, Catherine, you know him. Mm -hmm. It's written all over him. And he got really quiet, and he said, how do you know that? And I said the same thing. I said, well, anyone can see it. And he said, well, only my wife knows that. I never tell anyone but my wife. And out of that conversation became a lot of encouragement on my part. Like, you can do this. Mm -hmm. This is where I backed back. And you had
0: just gone through like you can do hard things. Yeah, like
2: here we go. Yes, and it was even in like this period of time. I remember listening. I was listening to NPR one day, and they were interviewing um, a researcher in aging. And the person said, "Which it's a basic concept. You're not generally going to regret the poor choices you've made.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You'll learn from them, but you will regret not taking the risk." and then not having the opportunity again. Right. And I had really kind of grasped onto that principle. Um, And that, again, goes all that back to turning 40, running the marathon. Like, I don't want to live my life with regrets. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in 2014, lots of encouragement with Steve. Like, you can do this. You could go to seminary. But then we found out in June that year, Um, He'd never graduated from high school, 33 years old, had never graduated from high school, and no good seminary was going to take him without his high school diploma, just like no good university here is going to take you without your high school diploma. So it was a roadblock, but he dug deep, and he went in, they have to take government exams in Haiti. Um, He sat for the government exam in the summer passed it, which allowed him to return to high school. And so our first year of Haiti Awake, Steve was actually in high school. Just so kinda crazy. crazy. When we think back on the first year, so Steve was in high school. His wife was pregnant with their first – no, yes, his wife was pregnant, gave birth to their first child. We started hosting teams. We were all living in this little house together. Um, we look back on that, and we're like, we were crazy. What were we thinking? Oh, that house.
0: Like, we were all there. <laughs> yes. But it didn't seem crazy. It just felt like home. Yeah. We'll get into that. But yeah, that is, it is crazy to look back and like in hindsight and be like, wow, I can't believe we
2: did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's back up in the story. So Haiti Awake was 2014, but in the summer of 2013, before there ever was a Haiti Awake, we had not even gone there in our thinking yet, I had met the children. Mm-hmm. It was a very random, chance, providential encounter. Um, I had been with some people I didn't even know. They had made some stops at some different children's homes in Haiti. I would met a lot of kids that day, but these were the kids I didn't forget.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And later in 2013, I had asked Steve specifically about Andy. I had a picture of him. And I said, do you think we can find this child again? This is like me saying Port-au-Prince is a metropolitan city as far as size and density of population. There are roughly 3 million people in Port-au-Prince. I had a picture of a child, and I'm saying, let's see if we can find this child again. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes, and and Steve did. Um, It was totally a God thing. He had some photos I had taken that day. He Zoomed in on one of them. There was a phone number for a business, and just through a series of phone calls. And even the day that we actually saw the kids again for the first time, it was a lot of stopping in the road, asking people, do you know where this is? Yeah, like, tell me where to go next. Like, yes, tell me where to go. It's care. like a movie. Yes. Yeah. So when we founded Haiti Awake, really the children weren't necessarily part of the plan. Mm-hmm. But we had a we had some ladies who wanted to come to Haiti with me with the very first group we had right after we started, and we needed something to do. So I thought about the children. Why don't we go visit the children? And again, like the way everything has just come together and now they're so central to what we do and who we are. We can't imagine Haiti Awake without them. So
0: when you started Haiti Awake, were, what was your original plan with it?
2: And we still have the same plan. So we our mission statement revolves around economic development, mm-hmm. church ministry development, and community development. And everything we do has to fall into one of those three categories. Mm -hmm. So Haiti is a country with a lot of need. Um, There's always going to be someone that has a legitimate request. It's not that it's, you know, it's not real, but there are so many needs. Right. So we had to decide early on, like, this is what we're doing. This is our road. This is our path, and we have to stay on it, and we cannot get distracted.
0: Because it would be so easy to be like, I want to help you and I'll help you. But then after that, you're overwhelmed and you kind of you're from the path.
2: Yes. So like I've used the illustration before in Haiti, they have these large tanker trucks that are full of water. Um, many people do not have water, a water source on their property. So these tanker trucks will come and they will fill cisterns or um, other type of water retention um, devices for people If we have one of those tanker trucks, I don't know how many gallons, it's several hundred, um, we could give a cup of water to how many people? Mm -hmm. And if we stopped a truck out in the street and said, everyone come for free water, everyone would come because it's free. But we really wouldn't be impacting people's lives. Right. But if we take that truck and say, these are the people that God has called us to invest in, so we are going to be intentional with this water that we have, and we're going to share it with them, not because we're excluding other people, but we're choosing to be good stewards of what we have, Mm -hmm. makes all the difference.
0: Right. And the way that you, which I love, and I think I had to learn the hard way from you, is (laughs) the um, take care of these children too. Is you want to raise them up to be good, hardworking, Jesus loving Haitians?
1: Absolutely. I
0: remember my second time there. I think I no, it was when I was with Michael. It was my third time. Oh, okay. And I remember. I think I asked you just like real quickly, and you probably don't even remember this. I was like, "What would it take to adopt Kiki?" And you're like, "It's not happening." <laughs> and I was like, "But I want to. <laughs> like, I, I want to give him a better life." And you're like. It's not happening. You don't understand. (laughs) And the the rest of that week slowly helped me to understand. And my third time there, like, oh, this is why Kiki needs to stay Mm -hmm. in Haiti. So kind of talk, go into that, like what you do for the children each day and how you're able to provide for them each day.
2: Okay, so there are 12 children in our care. There are nine boys that live together at what we call the boys' home, the children's home. And they have two primary caregivers that are with them, pretty much 24-7. That is Big and Wesley. Mm-hmm. And then we have three girls um, who live with Steve and Manushka's family now as foster children. And we have a, I would say a network of child sponsors who each month support the children financially. Um, and that money goes into a pot. So if one of the children, for example, their sponsor drops out, we're not going to say, well, you don't get to eat this month because you don't have a sponsor, but the children are treated equally and we provide for their education, which coronavirus and political unrest, thank you. We had no school all year in Haiti. We think it was bad here in the United States. They lost their entire school year because of political unrest and then the coronavirus. crazy. But yeah, I think the boys went four days in September before the political chaos overtook everything, and they went for a few weeks in January, February, and then and then
0: Corona. Wow,
2: yeah. Um, the um, we also provide for their meals, obviously, and that's been something that has been a great joy for me. When we first, when I first met the children, the man who had them in his custody did not take care of them. Um, we had a we had a lot of things we didn't know at the time. We know now that even though we were providing food, he wasn't feeding the children. He was selling the food. He was doing other things. And for the first several years, I knew the children. They were always sick. They were always unhealthy. They looked they looked terrible mm-hmm. all the time. If you look at them now, you just it's
0: insane. It's night
2: and day. And sometimes I will have um, you were just talking about memories coming up on your phone. I'll see an old picture, and mm-hmm. I think. I forgot how pitiful they were because they look so good now. Even the first year we were there. Oh, yeah. And they weren't in our custody either that first year when you guys were there. Um, We were just really starting to walk with them. So um, a monthly sponsorship helps provide for their food. It also provides for their health care, which has, again, just gotten so much better. All the kids even get a vitamin every day now, which is huge. And and they get nutritious food. We've gotten beyond just beans and rice to including broader food choices which mm-hmm. for their health. Um, it provides, obviously, for their care. Um, it's not big. Uh, Wesley, don't just stay with the children and take care of them out of the goodness of their hearts, though I think they would. If you yeah. down yeah. to it, they absolutely would. But we do compensate them. Um, The children have both houses. We help provide for their rent. Um, We provide everything, literally everything that they have, Mm -hmm. everything that they need. And then we have, like I said, great sponsors that walk with them financially, but also walk with them in prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, We have sponsors that um, send care packages to the kids. That's been one of the things we've really been encouraging through the quarantine because the kids, our kids have not left the property since March. They've been, like, imagine if you hadn't left your front yard since March. No. So I it's been going crazy with
1: a few weeks. I can't yeah. imagine, like, yeah.
2: this long. So having, like, a package come has been exciting um, to see what's in there. But um, we're really thankful for the – it's a network of people that God has brought to us to not just provide for the kids, but it also provides for our <clears throat> staff for ministry. Now, Steve has started a church. Mm -hmm. Um, We have people that partner directly each month to help support the church. Um, We have um, people that give very specifically in other ways. And then, as you said earlier, like it, for me, I'm the facilitator. I'm that link between the Americans who want a face that they know and trust to a staff that I know and trust. And they administer the programs, they administer the funds, bring mm-hmm. constant communication. Um, but they're the ones yeah. that know their country.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I love most about it is I had been on a few short-term mission trips prior to going with Haiti Awake. And most of the staff at the orphanages or the organizations that I would go to were American.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I would be like, we need to give them jobs. Like, we need mm-hmm. to give them an opportunity to lead in their country. And I think it's so cool that you do that, like paying Wesley and and big, like that's huge. And they feel not only empowered with financial return, but also like love and care Mm -hmm. and relationships that they would never experience. And then by them feeling like a leader in a certain pocket of their community, they can go out and be a leader Mm -hmm. elsewhere in the community, which I think is the coolest part. Yeah. And I think that was something I didn't understand with the kiki thing. <laughs>
2: well, I'll go back to that because I think it's a common misperception. Um, I'll, I'll go on the record right now to say, do I believe anyone should go to Haiti and start an orphanage? Absolutely not. You are harming. You are not helping. Um, most children in Haiti that are in an orphanage, they have a parent, mm-hmm. a living parent. Um, in our situation, even when we took custody in 2017, I had every intention of sending the kids home until we started making home visits Amazing. and realizing that just like you cannot come here to New Hanover County and take every kid out of foster care and send them home. Now, is the goal of foster care family reunification? It is. Mm-hmm. That is the goal mm-hmm. of foster care, but it's not always practical. Uh, we, As we started learning the children's stories and getting to know them, um, we realized that very few of them had a place to go back to. Things were just so broken. Maybe if they had never been broken in the first place, but they were so broken. But we'll go back to Kiki. We found out We met his mom. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought that he and his sister, Witcherland, would go back to live with his mom at some point. And she was working for us. She was coming and doing laundry every week. Um, May of last year, I was there for two weeks. Saw her every Friday and Saturday when she came to work. I remember the last time I saw her, she was leaving after work on a, a Friday, I believe it was, and I said, I will see you in April. I'll be back in less than a month. And I love you and I can't wait to see you. That was the last time I saw her because roughly three weeks later, she woke up. On a Saturday morning, not feeling well, called off of work. She had a stroke. Mm. Um, on Sunday, her condition deteriorated, and then she passed away. So um, that was hard. Yeah. It was hard.
0: It, just because I love Kiki and Wichita Lynn so much, what was that like for them? Like, did they Did they piece together, like, this is my mom, and my mom has died? And what was that like? For that was
2: that was for me one of the hardest things emotionally I've had to do in Haiti because we had been working on restoration. And so she had been very much a fixture for the, the last two years in their lives. She'd been coming to do laundry. They knew yeah, we she was her. coming on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um she I remember her as being very generous with all of the children. She wasn't just a mother figure to t- to her two biological children. She cared for all of the children, and so losing her was a loss for everyone. And the kids had already suffered so much loss. Um, the day of her funeral, um, we went very small funeral. If if Katie awake had not been there, there would have been maybe five people at her funeral. Mm. Um, but we went and, you know, kids are crying and everyone's trying to keep it together. And I just realized like it was a very, it was a very real thing. It was a very raw thing to think about the fact that, that they had renewed that relationship that had been broken and now it was gone. And yes, um... That night after the funeral, I went in to Witcherlyn. She was in her room. All the other kids were out in the main room, and she was in her room and she was in her bed crying. And I asked her, Do you want to be by yourself or do you want me to be with you? Mm -hmm. And she said, I want you to be with me. And I said, Do you want me to sit on your bed or do you want me to lie next to you in your bed? Mm -hmm. And she said, I want you to lie next to me. Mm -hmm. And I had that. There are just some moments I have in Haiti where. I just am like, God, thank you for the opportunity to be here in this moment, Mm -hmm. because that night, the only person that would have laid with her and held her while she cried was me. I was just
0: and you're a woman, and you have that, like, exactly. motherly figure in their life, too. And,
2: and even, like, how God has used that, with her living with Steve and Manushka now, Manushka lost her mother at about the same age. Mm. So Manushka can be there for her in a way and understand her in a way that I can't. Yeah. Because she's lived it. It's so good that the girls live with Steve and Manushka now. mm mm-hmm. Incredibly. Steve might not say that every day. That's a joke. <laughs> He's surrounded. He's surrounded by women. It's hard. <laughs> but it's good. It's really good.
1: I'm so, curious going yeah. back to the that initial child that you said you went back and looked for, like, how did what ended up happening with that? And then how did these specific children
2: end up in your care? All right, so Andy is one of the 12 now. And um <laughs> Boss man, boss man. He's a mess. I'm telling you, we I'll, with him when we first met him, we thought he was so quiet and so well behaved. <laughs> it was not that Sorry, he was so I'm quiet, well behaved. I think he was so hungry all the time, and he yeah. and all the kids had been so abused, and they didn't know how to be themselves. And now he's just out there all the time. He's out there. I'm pulling uh, up pictures so you can see him. Yes, that. Not, like, he's great. Um, but they, we sort of just. Engaging actively with them as we could in the beginning of Haiti Wake, and then in so we started Haiti Wake October
0: 2014.
2: That's Andy. Yeah, he's amazing. But he was
0: like little. Yeah, little. He, we thought
2: he was a baby. He was just really small from malnutrition, and mm-hmm. now he's he's yeah he's great. So we started Haiti Wake in October of 2014 again, not having any idea that we ever have responsibility for the children. January of 2015. I don't know if you know this part of the story. There's so many parts to the story. We had a family come to Haiti um, as a family missions trip. And they have they have adopted internationally several times. And towards the end of the week, the father looked at me and he said, Why is it like this? Why are they living like this? And he Again, he'd been all over the world. He'd been in other orphanages in different parts of the world. He just was dumbfounded. And I said, well, essentially we don't don't have the money to be responsible for them, and we're not going to be responsible if we don't have the money. And he said, if I start giving you money every month, will you make sure they get food every month? That was the beginning of us making a commitment toward them. Along the same time, another man had come to me. He's never donated since but he came to me and he said i have three thousand dollars can you use three thousand dollars you're like yes (laughs) yes so we were wanting to put the children in a house that was closer to where steve lived so those two things together in 2015 the house that you remember them being at the Mm -hmm. first time that man's money paid that rent for a year and then the other man. Giving us money to take food to them on a regular basis. That began the process, and then for
1: for a year. That's crazy. That's like yeah, less than two months of a mortgage. Right here, that's insane. And that's
0: another thing. After you're done with this, I want you to touch on is like the value of the American
2: dollar there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we can. Oh uh, yeah, There's like a whole. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another. Yeah, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> but that was the beginning in 2015. Um, in the, as we were living closer to the children, having more interaction, we began to see that the man who had them, the man who was caring for them, he was not caring for them. We were realizing he was not a good person. Mm-hmm. But we also were very powerless to do anything about it because he was using the children as pawns. So, Steve, go back to Steve, Steve is patient and kind and loving and he just kept telling me, like, we'll pray about it and we're going to wait. And I was so impatient. I just wanted to go in there and take the kids. And Steve just kept saying, we can't. Like, we have to do this the right way. Is it because of, like, his leverage, like, being? Well, we didn't have. I mean, that man had legal custody of the children. Yeah, like he you can't leverage. just walk into someone else's house and take children from yeah. them. Um, but in January of 2017, that man left. And it was a god. Thing as well like god the man had gotten sick he had been in the hospital and they he left um not without he left how i mean stealing everything the kids had he stole i don't know if you remember the kids had sheets that the bridge had sent them that year at mm-hmm. christmas he stole the sheets off their bed so they had just gotten for christmas gifts um, like everything, coming. and I wanted to be so angry, and just Steve just kept saying, "Like, what was, what did we want? We wanted him gone. He's gone. Yeah. We can buy more sheets. We can buy more plates. We can buy spoons. We we have the children now, and yeah. the progress that they've made since then has been
0: amazing. Yeah, incredible. Okay, the dollar.
2: <laughs> okay, so um. It's It goes both ways. Um, right now, the economy of Haiti is in a free fall. Um, the, the local currency is being devalued every day. So things are so expensive in Haiti right now compared to what they were a few years ago. Um, buying power just continues to decrease. Um, the local currency is worth roughly one-third of what it was worth when I first went to Haiti eight wow. years ago. I mean, imagine if your US dollar became worth 33 cents. That's crazy. So, there are some things that we are amazed at the, that they are inexpensive. But there are so many other things that are so expensive. And that's why I'm passionate again about supporting local people mm-hmm. versus being an American living in Haiti. It would cost tens of thousands of dollars for me to live in Haiti full-time. And that's not even living big. That's just having what we would consider basic. That's Mm -hmm. not even having electricity or running water. Mm -hmm. But Haitians make it work, and they make it stretch. Um, So a bag of rice, for example. The kids eat a lot of rice. The kids eat a lot of pasta. Um, That's inexpensive, In comparison, Mm -hmm. um, but a cup of yogurt, which you know, I don't know about you guys, I eat a cup of yogurt, I think, every day. Yeah, that's a luxury to them, that's that's a treat. Um, the same would be true for a lot of like fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. So, yes, some things are incredibly inexpensive when you think about it, but yet, overall, the cost of living I read somewhere recently that the electricity electricity, when you have it, that some of the most expensive electricity per kilowatt in the world. Whoa.
0: Because they don't have it.
2: Well, it's because of the cost of making it. And there's there are so many factors there. But, but I that's know,
0: why they don't have it, because it's, like, not accessible.
2: Right. And so I know that recently, because things have been more difficult at um, the neighborhood where most of our staff lives, they've been not getting electricity on a regular basis, maybe once or twice a week for a few hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Which is, yeah, crazy that's to a, think
0: about. That's also, like, <laughs> really eye-opening when you're there. Like, there's, like, generator time where, like, you get fans and you get some light and you get to plug in things if you want to plug them in, and then everything else is, like, mm and, no and, electricity. And
2: recognize that's an American thing. That doesn't happen when we don't have an Yes, Like that's not normal life for a Haitian.
0: Um, but also what I meant by the what I meant when I asked about the money too is like our dollar can go so far oh, yeah. in Haiti. So like donating thirty dollars a month can feed a kid for the whole month. You know, so yes. it's like Yes, and that that's that's where it's like
2: everything together. Like for us There's no one person that is supporting Haiti Awake. Um, I was listening to another nonprofit talk recently, and they said sometimes we think that I have to be able to get a certain amount of money every month to make an impact. And that's not true. Like It's all of those small donations that come together Mm -hmm. that actually make things happen. And there's a woman, for example, um, she knew someone who came on a trip with Haiti Awake three or four years ago and she set it up as a recurring donation on PayPal. It is $10 a month. And every month, we know we're getting $10 from this lady. That $10 means a lot more than someone writing a check for $120 one time. Mm-hmm. Because we know every month her money's coming. Right. We like can plan, we can, can plan budget, for a new, yeah. Yes. So um, yes, putting it all together, it provides for everyone.
0: And you, would you say, when I was there, I think the first year, you said, like, the average Haitian makes a dollar a day if they're working? Is that the same um, stuff?
2: The, the, the national data says that the average Haitian lives on less than $2 a day. Wow. And um, when you employ a person in Haiti, you're providing for an entire network of people generally. Because, you know, Catherine, if you have a job, Chelsea, if you have a job, then you are also helping out your mom, you're helping out your cousin, you're helping out your aunt, Mm -hmm. and it goes so much further. And I've even seen that with our own staff because they live in the same community. I can see community impact in Mm -hmm. different ways by our staff earning a wage and then the way they've helped their family and they've helped their community.
0: Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought up community because that was the next thing I want to talk about is the difference between community in Haiti and here. Being that one is they live on the same, like, uh, what do they call them, a town? Like, the street? What do you call mm-hmm. that? A town? Uh, well. Like, neighborhood? Yeah, I, guess? I say
2: neighborhood. Okay.
0: They all live on this same, like, road, and their houses go off into, like, little nooks and crannies, but they're all, like, family. So, like, everyone on this whole neighborhood knows each other and, and communes with each other and gives to each other and eats together, and it's, like, a different sense of community than you would experience here in the U.S. where you're in your home all day. Maybe you see your friends on the weekend or you go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's like very much doing life together. How has that changed how you do community now?
2: Okay, so yeah, you have a good point in that with here in the United States, we have cars with air conditioning. We generally drive by ourselves. We have houses with closed windows because it's heated in the winter. It's Cooled in the summer. But in Haiti, it's not like that. Everything's mm-hmm. open air. Most people don't have a vehicle, so they're walking in the streets. Every, the houses are open. Um, people don't think anything of just stopping by. There's mm-hmm. no necessarily calling ahead, I'm coming. And so um, it's taught me to be more open with people and more receptive to people. I've, one of the things I learned early from Haitians, particularly from Steve, is that people are not interruptions to your schedule their opportunities.
0: Ooh, that's good.
2: Um, When Steve and I were working together before Haiti Awake, he was late for work one morning. And here I thought I was going to be the smart American and mentor him about the importance of being on time. (laughs) And I was not happy that he had been late because we had plans that day. And so later that afternoon, I said, you know, I want us to talk about the fact that you were late for work this morning. And when we sat down, I'm so grateful that, He's been very open with me over the years and and taught me in a very non-confrontational way, just a very loving, kind way. He said, would you like to know why I was late for work this morning? And I'm like, yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah, yeah tell me. Yeah. What could have possibly been so yeah. important? He said, my neighbor stopped by and asked me to pray with him. And so I prayed with my neighbor and that made me late for work.
0: And you're like, uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh now what am I going to say? So um that has definitely as part of community like being open each day to what God brings and if it's someone knocking at the door or it's an unexpected detour or looking at people, noticing people, speaking to people, acknowledging them. I have friends that um, run or walk with me and they're like you speak to everyone you know I see you in the park I'm like hi I don't know you mm-hmm. but I think that's part of Haiti Yeah, you know, just greeting people acknowledging them because I think it's so important so many people don't no one acknowledges them day by day but just to like say hello to someone look them in the eye let them know that you see them yeah it's important
0: yeah I, I think that that's always the hardest transition coming back from Haiti is like getting back to like this kind of And we're only there a week, so you're Mm -hmm. there, like, six weeks. But, like, it's almost, like, harder to come back than it is to go and, like, lose electricity and lose all these luxuries. It's harder to come back and, like, experience that kind of seclusion and introversion Mm -hmm. that you didn't experience there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always tell people now about Haiti specifically, just because I feel like I now know it a little better, is, like, we always... I feel like when America talks about third world countries, they're like, oh, they're lacking in so much. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you only knew. Like, yes, like, in resources, they are lacking. In, like, finances, they are struggling in comparison to us. But the joy and community and faith and love they have is, like, beyond anything I've experienced in this nation. So... There are, They're not lacking. No, <laughs>
2: there are different types of poverty. That's one of the things Haiti has taught me. There are different types of poverty. As Americans, we don't look at ourselves as being poor, and yet we are so poor in community and lacking true relationships, true friendships. Um, we we have so many things in our lives that weigh us down, the stress, the busyness. Mm-hmm. Those are all forms of poverty. Um And in Haiti, they may lack certain material things, but they are rich in so many areas. Um, Haitians are always optimistic, always hopeful. Mm -hmm. Um, They just last week, um, I I was just thinking about this today. So the Saharan dust cloud sat on Haiti for two days last week. I heard from Americans living in Haiti how miserable it was, how hot it was, how dusty it was, how they couldn't breathe. It was like, it was this terrible thing. Mm -hmm. I realized that no one on our staff had mentioned it. (laughs) And so I asked them, I'm like, hey, i heard the dust cloud is there. Oh yeah, it's bad. But it's that whole, like, you can look at things from a different perspective. Right. And one of the things that, steve often i'll say well i heard this is happening in haiti that's hard and he was like oh it's not too bad whereas as americans we tend to like we love to whine mm-hmm. drama yes and indulge ourselves just get on facebook
0: oh i was gonna say scroll <laughs> on someone's timeline about. if you want to see some
1: complaints Ugh, i can't even deal with it anymore <laughs> <laughs> speaking of dealing
0: with things um I think one of the last things I want to talk about is how Haiti's doing in the quarantine and what that's in, what's that what that has done to impact Haiti awake as a whole and how people can help right now.
2: Okay, so I was in Haiti until March 17th, and on March 17th, when I left, I left knowing that it might be a while before I could go back. Um, I spent that day looking at. Everyone and everything just in a different way. Like, Mm -hmm. what if I don't see you for a year? What is that going to be like? Um, It was two days after I left that the president of Haiti um, confirmed their first two cases of coronavirus and closed the borders to all traffic, both coming and going. Since that time, there have been um, people that have been allowed to leave on humanitarian flights, but until today no one had really gone in the first the first commercial flights are supposed to arrive tomorrow for mm-hmm. people who are mostly Haitian citizens wanting to return right um, for us we and Steve has said it several times on his weekly updates we have been and I say we and I'm not there but we as a team we've been thriving um, we have watched um, God provide for every need and beyond. Like we have had opportunity to do outreach so many times since March. It's been crazy. I I don't have numbers in front of me to to tell you, but I know we've spent more in the last three months on outreach probably than all of last year combined. And it's been people saying, hey, I just want to do something right now. So here I'm going to send you this special gift. Um, I know the kids um, are probably, they're having a hard time being at home, so why don't you buy them apples and yogurt this week? Here's some money. Today, This I, just, I, I often send little notes to our board and say things like, we are surrounded by the most generous, loving people. Someone this week sent $20 to Haiti Awake, and she said, I know Big and Wesley are working so hard right now. Make sure they get a special treat this week. Mm. That was so thoughtful yeah it's so thoughtful so as hard as it's been for church not to meet our English program our Bible study our prayer meetings they they are not gathering together in groups that's been hard but there's been so much good Mm -hmm. that's been coming out of it and we've been pleasantly I should not say surprised um but we have been I guess surprised with the economy being what it is here in the US, we were thinking here we are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be the first thing that people are gonna let slide. Right. To this point, we don't know what the future holds. Um, but to this point, we have found that our sponsors and our supporters have been so remarkably faithful. And we're just, we're so thankful. Yeah. And, amazing. and you
0: get to go back, you don't know
2: when. I don't know when. Um, there are a lot of things to consider. Yeah. Um, I am, we have a few friends in Haiti that work at the airport, so um, we've actually contacted them to see what the protocol, we know what we've been told the protocol will be, but we want to see if that, that is really the protocol because one of the parts of the protocol involves surrendering your passport and then picking it up 15 days later think we would all agree that surrendering your U.S. passport in another country is just not a good idea. Yeah. So we're going to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like you get scared when you leave your passport at like the house.
2: <gasps> Where is my passport? Yeah. <laughs> I am a U.S. citizen. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's scary.
0: Well, I love that you're seeing plenty being given, especially now during this time. It's been really cool to see that on like a whole from humanity of like mm-hmm. still giving to things that they care about. Yeah. Even during times of like uncertainty, so that's that's really encouraging. How if if someone wants to support a child, yes. how can they go about doing that? If we have a listener who wants to support,
2: sure. So we have one child in our community. So we have two different types of child sponsorship. We have um, sponsorship for the children at our children's home, and we have a team of people that support them. We mm-hmm. have a wall at the boys' home and a wall at the girls' home. We put your photo up. And we really encourage you, if you're sponsoring one of the kids at the children's home, to know your child. And we encourage your child to know you. Mm-hmm. We also have community child sponsorship. We've been doing that for about um, 8 to 10 months now. And we have we only allow one sponsor per child in the community. Um, we do have one child in the community who is... Not sponsored yet. His name is Ferdinand. So he's been waiting for quite a while for a sponsor. We would love to see see someone commit to sponsoring him at thirty five dollars a month. But we also um, have several kids at the children's home who could use another sponsor. The one that comes to my mind right now is Antonide. Mm -hmm. Um, She had at one point she had several sponsors. Um, A couple of them have had to drop out for different reasons. Not coronavirus, I mean, it's been, it's been earlier, but it would be really good for her to have another sponsor, someone who's actually like on her team. Yeah. You know.
0: Okay. That's good to know. And then if they want to do that, can they just email you or?
2: If they go, they can email me. Um, Actually, we have someone that takes care of child sponsorship. Okay. Um, So if you email sponsorship at HaitiAwake.org, you get Kelsey Stott, who takes care of all of that. I know her. Yeah. Do
0: you? So Kay, Caitlin was her her sister. Intern. My my intern. Yeah. Oh. So there's like yeah. so many connections. Wow, yeah. yeah. And of
2: course, you know, Caitlin's been to Haiti with us yeah. as well. Yeah. So yeah, so you can you can email or you can go on our website and there is a button on the website that says it's one of the drop downs, it's donate. And it'll walk you through it, sets it up as a monthly payment, and you can like make a note like, I want to sponsor a child. I didn't know you do
0: that, I have yeah. never it on Venmo.
2: Yeah, I just Venmo. have a reminder on my phone that's like, Venmo is great. Do it, we love <laughs> Venmo because Venmo charges you no fees. Oh, okay, I'll a with Venmo. But if you want the, yeah, the ease of it, we have on our website it's linked directly to our accounting software, nice. so it just, yeah, I yeah. like that
1: convenience.
2: That's really convenient. is good, yes, Venmo's key. Um, okay. Well, we
0: have four questions that we ask every single guest, and I did not prep you for this on purpose. All right. Now I'm scared. Because we like, (laughs) you know, genuine, authentic answers here. Um, So our first question, easy. What is something that you're currently obsessed with? It could be a TV show, a food item. uh, I want to say, I was going to say restaurant, but we can't really go to the
2: podcast, podcast, anything, a a book. All right. This is easy because after, okay. So went to Italy um, a few years ago with my family, and had cappuccinos. Like, I don't even know how many cappuccinos a day. Everywhere you went in Italy, they were giving Caccino me cappuccino. or gelato. One mm-hmm. of the two. And I became obsessed with the idea of getting an espresso machine. But then, espresso machines are expensive people. Yeah, uh-huh. they are. And so, for the last literally four years, I've talked about an espresso sure. machine. <laughs> and Ethan's girlfriend, my son's girlfriend, is a barista at Zola. And I mentioned it recently, like, I kind of think I want an espresso machine. She went home. She picked one out on Amazon. She's like, this is the one you need to get. I'll show you how to use it. So my obsession right now is my espresso machine and how to make the perfect latte.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) Four years later, your dream came true. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like, why did I wait
0: so long?
2: (laughs) I feel that. We
1: have a Nespresso machine that, Uh you know, makes espresso and regular coffee with the pods. Uh And we only will order, like because you have to get it either from Amazon or, like, straight from Nespresso. You can't buy it, like, anywhere else, and it's pretty expensive, so that's, like, our treat. We'll, like, buy, you know, 50 pods or whatever, and then we end up drinking, like, two a day, and then they are gone. And are like, all right, we're going to hold off for another couple months. We'll make, like, regular potted coffee again, but that's our little, like – My brother in has one, and he's obsessed. Oh, so
2: good. Well, I didn't realize the first week how much I was using it. And I was driving one day, and I thought, I feel really anxious. Why do I feel so anxious? Like, what's making me anxious right now? And I was kind (laughs) of running through, you know, what was going on in my life. And I thought, wait a minute, I think you're (laughs) over-caffeinated. You're, like, jittery (laughs) and I knew I was just – no, literally, I was, like, anxious. If you get too much caffeine, it'll it'll put you over the edge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. All right, next question. I feel weird asking this question these days, but at the beginning of the year, it was very hopeful.
2: What yeah. is <laughs> something you're looking forward to in the rest of the in year? In the rest of 2020. Okay, that one's easy for me too, because I'm looking forward to being able to go back to Haiti. Mm-hmm. I told Catherine I was looking at plane tickets today, and it's just a matter of getting the airport back open, finding out what the protocol actually is. Yeah. Right? So yes, I'm hopeful that unlike... On March 17th, when I thought it might be a year, I will be back in Haiti by the end of
1: 2020.
2: Woo! I hope yes. so. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> All right, next question. And this is usually the hardest for people to answer, but I feel like you'll be good at it. What is something that you love about yourself?
2: Ooh. Okay. I don't like to talk about myself. Like, I, know, like that. I know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I believe that I'm a good listener. When people talk to me, I was telling my husband this morning, this just happened. Yesterday, a doctor's office called me to reschedule an appointment. And the the call turned into the nurse, like, telling me all of her problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's my life. I'm the person that's sitting on the airplane I travel a lot. And people will, like, start a conversation. And by the end of the flight, they're like, I've never told anyone this in my life before. You're like their therapist. Yes. And I, that... I'm glad to be there for people. And I don't think I always was that person. I think it's something that was always in me, but I feel like it's something that God's developed in me. And so, yeah.
0: Yeah. And just to encourage you in that, like I think one of the reasons you're able to be a good listener is because you're super intentional. Like you'll, I think of this story a lot now during quarantine, but in the beginning of quarantine, you said, I just asked someone, was it IHOP or McDonald's?
2: At IHOP. Yeah. And they were like, how are you? Yeah.
0: And no one had asked her that. Yeah. And even just being intentional, asking someone, like, how, how are we you? We talked about
1: that on the podcast.
0: We did. I think yeah. we did I think address it. Super that was Becky.
2: Important. <laughs> and that's super important, I think, right now. Okay, so before I came here, I needed to travel arrangements. I had to call American Airlines. And when the both people I talked to I had talked to two different people, I started the conversation with, Whatever answer you give me, I'm gonna be okay with it. I'm sure a lot of people are being rude with you right now and I'm not gonna be rude. And both times the person was like, Thank you. Thank you. And at the end of the call, both times I just said, like, I, I sincerely hope you have a good day. And I'm not just saying that as like a goodbye. And they were like, Thank you. Yeah, so, you see know. that's like an extra
0: like step of intentionality that a lot of people don't like follow through with. So you're yeah. very
1: intentional. I always like appreciate that when I get off the phone with really good customer service reps who like genuinely mm-hmm. ask how you're doing or just they're just pleasant. And you're yeah. like, Thank you for not giving me a hard time or just yeah, being kind of. It's a game changer. It's all that all about community. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. loving people. Mm-hmm. All right, last question. Um, if you could tell women one thing today, what would that be? Um, are you talking like?
2: Younger women, older women, anybody? I'm well, probably you're, you're, you're like the oldest guest you've ever had on your podcast. Actually, probably like, no, you're not. Yeah. Okay, good. No, you're not. Are actually. people older than me that you know? Yeah. Awesome.
0: <laughs> like my mom. I'm just
1: kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just I'm just
0: kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, like our listeners are, I would say 99, yeah, women, and they range from anything ages high school to Chelsea. Our parents listen, mm-hmm. so all generations of women, I think one thing that, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because as women, although we do enter different seasons of life, we can all connect on the fact that we're women, and we have the same, like, emotional hurts, nurturing hurts, just like we feel the same body image issues, like we're all kind of connected in that way, and so something to encourage women. All right.
2: Well, then I would say, and I think it ties in with several of the things that we've said so far, be vulnerable, Mm. because... We all know it. When we can be vulnerable with someone else, then they feel like they can let their guards down, and they they can be vulnerable with us. And I think like we grow. And when we when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we're gonna be hurt. Yeah, and people are going to be people, and they are going to let you down, and they are going to disappoint you. But they're also going to surprise you. They're going to amaze you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much. That we can learn from hearing different people's stories. But I think many times it starts with that being able to share a piece of yourself mm-hmm. and put it out there and be vulnerable. And back to the word you use, being intentional. And it's I love the fact that you use that label because I do a word of the year each year. And my word of the year three years ago was intentional. Oh. Yeah. So my cool. word three years ago was intentional, right? Word um, two years ago was wholehearted. Mm. And my word this year, back to your question, was hope. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. And
0: it's on your necklace.
2: It's on my ne- I don't I, yeah. I bought this necklace in Haiti, and I rarely take it off. I know. I you're always it. wearing it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and being my friend and my neighbor. Um, And if people want to follow Haiti Awake, it's at Haiti Awake on Instagram, Mm -hmm. all one word. And then email, you said support?
2: Uh, Sponsorship Sponsorship. at HaitiAwake.org. There's also, if you go to our website, which is HaitiAwake.org, there's a contact form. On the bottom as well, so there are a number of ways. We have um, the Facebook page, which is Haiti Awake. Mm-hmm. There is also a YouTube channel that Steve. Oh, I love week that week. YouTube channel. Yeah, Steve they does do a word week. of the week and everything. That's what Yeah, the Instagram has the word of the week. And, yeah, okay. there's a yeah, lot of there's a lot of different ways that you can connect and see what's going on in Haiti. Awesome. Well, okay. we love you, Becky, and we love you, listeners, and
0: we'll put all those links in the show notes so that y'all can easily go and find Haiti Awake.